five in the eye with Michael and Phil. It's news, but is it new? Hello, and a very warm welcome to Colourful Radio's news review show. We call it Five in the Eye as we flag down five stories we've spotted on the motorway of life. We then sit on the hard shoulder and have a good chinwag about them. I'm Michael O'Hajuru, and this is episode 0335. And joining Michael via Zoom this week, it's Phil Woodford, revealing that our top story is going to be the controversy that engulfed Boris Johnson this week over a party at Downing Street during the pre-Christmas restrictions of 2020. Does the government have any credibility left? Five in the eye. And number two, we'll be joined by a special guest to discuss a report in The Guardian about how a Dutch multinational company is failing to deliver promised tuition for British kids. What's story number three this week? Well, it's the government's proposed war on drugs. We saw Boris Johnson dressed up as a policeman going on a raid in Michael's home city of Liverpool. But what about the plans to tackle middle-class addicts by removing their passports and driving licences? And for story number four, we celebrate the granny who took a road trip around the coast of the UK with nothing more than a smartphone and a freedom bus for company. (laughs) And finally this week, to cap off the show, it's the Italian dentist who allegedly used a fake arm to try to avoid a COVID jab, but was rumbled by the nurse administering the vaccine. Well, you've accessed, you've accessed, you've excelled yourself here. No arm done. And that's this week's Five in the Eye. Five in the Eye. Well, we're going to kick off the show this week with the extraordinary sequence of events that seems to have engulfed Boris Johnson and the uh, uh, and the government. So at the centre of all of this is the so-called Partygate scandal. So on the 18th of December 2020, um, we we understood there was a party that had happened in Downing Street, or did it happen? You know, Boris, his usual bluster, as far as he was aware, it had never happened. And then video emerged of... Boris Johnson's um, then press secretary, Allegra Stratton, she's a former ITV journalist and was at the time his spokesperson, um, doing a mock press conference with some of her Tory mates where they would practice the questions and so on. And they were all joking around about this party that apparently never happened, but seemed to be a big joke between them. And uh, before long, it wasn't so much a joke for Allegra Stratton because she was forced to emerge from her posh London pile and uh, there was a tearful uh, uh, goodbye. That was crocodile tears for me. Do you know, I'm I'm sorry, Phil, this, that video summed up Boris's governments. Mm -mm. These were hooray Henrys or hooray Henriettas in this instance, who are beloved above the law, the law literally unto themselves. No sense of, of how other people how ordinary people live their lives. You know, the same, that Dominic Cumming, that Dominic Cummings thinking that he was going to test his eyesight. Mm. It didn't really matter. That was something he needed to do. They were having this conference there. And those, that laugh she had was just summed up Boris's government, mm. you know, in terms of the... There's this sense of contempt, isn't there? Yeah, thank a, you. You've taken away from my, this contempt. It's kind, you know? it's, it's kind of, you know, it's the classic one rule for them, another yeah. rule for us, uh, and they think it's all a, uh, all a big laugh. I it's mean, a big joke. It's, it's ha, ha, ha. You know, the, the, listen, I didn't see my, my... My grandson was born the 5th of May. The 5th of May. I didn't see him until July. Mm-hmm. 
We didn't see because 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 I, I was I was going what the government wanted us to do. These people, ah, oh, no, it, 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 that, that's for little people. Little people, yeah, yeah, totally I, outrageous. I, I, I'm, 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 I'm the whole thing, the whole thing stinks. I mean, what what's quite interesting to me though, from a political point of view, is that you know it's interesting how this particular party thing, which is a very easy thing to for everyone to get, isn't it? They 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 uh, they had a party which wasn't really allowed and then they pretended they didn't have a party and they covered it up they lied about it and then they got found out and there was a smoking gun video everyone can get this and it's no surprise to me that it caused a huge backlash in a way that strangely all the death toll from covid all the dodgy contracts all the stuff that's gone on hasn't really dented the government but then you get something like this that comes along and it's almost like a touch paper isn't it for um, it's very personal. It touches off because those of us who, who, who followed the rules, who, let, who, who stuck to the, the book, what the government wants us to do, and then to see the government were not were not on the same page as us. They had a different manual. They were working the different laws. So I can see. And for me, ugh, this is Johnson. This is getting it. Can I say there's there's a, there's, a, there's a beautiful bit of justice here because the same kind of journalist. Johnson was writing snide stories about the European community when he was in when he was in Brussels back in the day. You know about, about the bananas, you know the bent bananas and the shrimps versus uh, versus prawns and all that nonsense. This is it coming home to roost. It's the same kind of journalism that exploits human beings. That's what he's doing, and he's been he's been exploited. I would have loved to see his face when he saw that video. Love to have seen it because yeah, he knows I mean, what it means. I mean, and, and the idea that oh, he was sickened by the video. I mean, all that. Yeah. Come <laughs> on, he's sickened by the he's sickened by the fact the video was was, was uncovered. It was good. Don't take us even more from mugs. I mean, I love- extraordinary, extraordinary thing though, Michael. Is this this is not really the only story this week. That I know. There's a tsunami. There's a whole lot. I mean, in terms of Boris Johnson, let let, let me just summarise a few of the other things that have gone on. He's had his seventh kid, which he managed to wrap up into into this week of mayhem. His seventh kid has arrived, allowing him to go on paternity leave, which I'm sure he's very grateful for at this moment. There was a... There was a report into the um, the funding of the decoration of his his flat at Downing Street, which he claimed he'd funded all himself, but uh, it doesn't look like he did. And um, there was the extraordinary business also about um, how he'd personally ordered the uh, cats and dogs out of Afghanistan, um, and then then he claimed, okay, go, go. He and then a letter comes out saying yes, he did. And I mean, I, I, I feel it goes on Plan B. Suddenly, yeah. Plan B it comes out, and people are saying. Are you sure, Prime Minister? Are you using this as a cover-up? Cover-up, you know. And it just goes on. And you get the story about the the um the, the county lines drug. Yeah, which we're going to come, <laughs> which going to come on to story number three this week. Yeah, the the, the 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 their war on drugs. There was some great. There was some powerful stories in there that were meaningful for the British public, but they were lost, lost in that tsunami of Johnson nonsense. And I've got to believe he's on his last legs. Mm. The Tory party, they are ruthless. But, you know, when your time is up, when your time is up, they... Well, there was a poll that came out yesterday that, by Servation that 
put Labour on 40%, the Tories on 34, Labour on 40. And this is, you know, there's been a big shift after the Owen Patterson stuff. You notice how one thing's coming on top of another. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And now he's, he's slipping, isn't he? He's lost his grip. And the Tory MPs must now surely be circling and thinking, this is... This is no good. I mean, add to that the discontent in the Tory ranks over Plan B, because a lot of them, of course, exactly. are very lib- very libertarian. Think that we should response. just be carrying on, yeah. carrying on as we as we, as we are, kind mm. of thing, in the face of the Omicron. And uh, I, I, you know, it's it's a perfect storm. I, I love the fact that he's lost the city. Price Waterhouse says we're not going. You know, we're going to continue working. You know, the city. You know, this is business. Doesn't believe you, Boris. Mm. We'll continue working. We're not going to go with what you say. There's this, this kind of knee-jerk response. Because I guess the problem is, Phil, there was such so much going on. You, you, you didn't know what was important, what was not important, and what was in there to cover up this this, this party nonsense. And it's not just one party There is now. this real issue, several isn't there, parties. There is this real issue that, you know, he's asking people once again to change their lives, to abide by rules. And these are, you know, we, we know, don't we, that he and his mates have not been abiding by the rules themselves. And this doesn't bode well if we go into the new year. And let's hope this isn't the case. But if we go into the new year, there is a big wave with the Omicron. We are seeing more people hospitalized and dying. We might need more severe restrictions. And it's very difficult to imagine anyone um, feeling that uh, that that um, keen to go along with what Boris tells them to do. Well, I think he's lost. I think he's lost it already. I, don't, I, don't, I think we're not. You know, we make our own decisions. That's something we've discussed before on the Prime At the end of the day, we'll decide because this government has proven themselves not to be the moral, or moral or medical leadership that we want. You know, there was a, there was a report this was it, I read this morning about um, the jabs for the under forties. Medi- the medical authorities say the under forties don't need the third jab. He's saying I'm going to give it to him, and again, it just seems like. You know, this uh, the booster jab jargon or the um, catchphrase that Johnson can sell, you know, back in the days, remember, flatten the sombrero. You know, it, it, it makes great rhetoric. But the, is, is it really part of what we think we should be doing? So, I, you know, I'm sorry, Phil. I'm not, not, not sorry. I'm happy, Phil. That these days have got to be numbered. They've got to be numbered. Live in the eye. For story number two this week, we're going to do a show about, a show, a story about education. And it's about, well, I'll read you the headline. It says, multinationals running English, England's catch-up tuition 90% below enrollment targets. This is a, a, an organisation, a foreign organisation brought in to help our children catch up because of the pandemic. There's been a lot, you know, this pandemic left a number of children behind for a variety of reasons. And the government in their, um, and I think, I think that they meant well, they're going to put some money into helping these kids catch up. But there's two things that got me in this headline. And, and this is why I've got, I've got a good friend of mine, Idris, who's involved in this industry on, on the line here. The first is they involved a foreign country in English education. Okay. Maybe I can, deep breath, I can accept that. Brexit times, we're global Britain, we're doing everything in the world. But these people, 90% below target. 90% below enrollment target. So something has gone wrong here. Absolutely. 
something has gone wrong. And you know, dare I say, is this, this once again, the government giving jobs to their mates, contracts to their mates? Idris, you're involved in this. You're, 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 edu- you're educating kids. And, yes. In the after school hour, after school, giving yes. the, the, the extracurricular activity. Mm-hmm. What, what, what's your take on this? Is the government doing something wrong, bringing these foreign country companies here to help us? Yeah, I mean, thank you, uh, uh, Michael. I mean, for me, um, what matters is as long as you catch the mice, how you catch it doesn't really necessarily matter. Now, this company, Rat Randstad, mm. uh, their experience is in human resources. However, they do, they are perhaps the biggest in um, educational recruitment, they do supply teaching. Given the urgency and the importance of this matter, uh, how many children's education has been devastated by the pandemic, uh, it's something that requires a lot of intensity. I'm not completely convinced that uh, this particular company is actually the right uh, company to do it. Because, I mean, the, um, the TES, the Times Educational Supplement, reported that only 80, 80%, 08, less than 10% of students have actually started. Uh, uh, this is very alarming, considering uh, we've been on this for over a year now. Wow, the takeoff is certainly not acceptable, in my view. Idris, what's your what's your impression working in this area as to how the pandemic has affected the kids and how 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 bad is it? I think am I right in thinking that you you you've been a a, a science teacher in the past and uh, you're 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 now running um, a tutoring business, so you must have quite a good insight into kind of how far behind the kids have got. I mean, just very quickly, Phil, um, I was, uh, well, I've been teaching since 93. I taught mainly in uh, state schools, grammar schools, uh, private schools. Yes, I was a physics teacher and I started running these uh, tutoring uh, revision courses, uh, weekends and uh, intensive revision during school holidays for secondary school children. I started that in 2004. Now, um, I mean, we know we've heard in the news how bad it is, but what I see on a daily, day-to-day basis is extremely alarming in terms of how much so many young people have missed out. Uh, I mean, the urgency of, of the of the situation, I think, uh, it's not at all realized. Yes, it is a good that the government has decided to do something about it. But the effectiveness of it and what impact is it actually adding, uh, having in terms of young people's, uh, uh, those people who need to catch up, I think is very minimal at this particular stage. It, it just can you help me here? You know, I looked at the, the figures here. The going rate of planning for this contract was 60 million, but Randstad were 20 million. 25 so million. Go- the government says, okay, yeah, we'll take that. Yeah. Now, 25 versus 60, you know, we've seen, re- we seen the results of this now, like, like eight, well, you less than 10% uptake. And, and, and they're, they're, they're a personnel company. 
Yes. Yeah. You know, help me here. What, 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 job as, as I, as, am I right, Idris, in thinking that the role Randstad plays is kind of connecting the kids to people who can provide the tutoring and they're kind of they're kind of middlemen in this? Because I, I know my daughter is at university and um, she has uh, she has dyslexia and gets support with the dyslexia and Randstad have been involved in that. And they seem to what they seem to do is kind of find someone for her to work with is it a similar kind of thing here and um, my understanding of this situation is that uh Randstad is connected to the ntp the natural the national tutoring program which the government set up and uh, uh the ntp what it does is that is uh, the agency which um i suppose uh, it organizes things by um, vet, venting, vetting the organizations, the tutoring organizations who can be used uh, by schools to uh, to provide a catch up um, uh, to co- to provide a catch up lesson. So yes, the the job of the of Randstad is actually to have this list of people in which school I believe can use only the people is actually in the list uh, which is. Uh, compiled by the NTP, the National Tutoring Program, which I think is connected to Randstad. Only those organizations can be used by schools. So many schools are very reluctant for all sorts of reasons which may go, which we may go into. Many heads are very reluctant to actually use the system. I think well, that's I think, I think maybe maybe we do need to just probe that a little bit more address i mean it, 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 what is it that the, the the head teachers are concerned about? concerned about good question excellent question um there are various things um some of the things they are concerned about is well let me answer it another way many of them have uh, proposed the a different initiative to handle it themselves to give the extra money to their teachers so in addition to the ntp uh, and Randstad um, scheme, which is the uh, national tutoring program. In addition to the catch-up funds, there are two parallel systems that are also in operation, which I think the government agreed with the school that they have. And the, the second one is called the um, school-led tutoring. And the third is academic men- mem- uh, mentorship. So those are the alternative, because for some reason, I think one of the things that the heads are worried about is that uh, they don't have confidence in the, um, uh, to be honest, in Randstad, I think, from what I've said, I've read. And also the plan is that gradually the government will reduce the amount of money at the present uh, the way it works is that if the government gives, uh, say, twenty-five pounds for to uh, spend, uh, sorry, if the school spends twenty-five pounds, the government will spend three times of that, three times that. So um, only a quarter of what goes to the tutoring company is actually contributed by the school. The government picks up the three quarter remaining. As time goes on, in the next couple of years, gradually that amount which the government is contributing will reduce. I think at some point it will be less than 50%. So I think heads are worried. And be they left with a big, they're going to be left with a big bill potentially down mm-hmm. the line. I, yeah, I, I see. Yeah. 
and and uh, considering as uh, as uh, you know Michael said earlier, the I mean debate. Of course, I, I'm not a believer that you should throw money in, you know, in things. But Randstad actually had the lowest bid, and nobody will worry about them, uh, despite the fact they had the lower bid. But uh, as things stands, I'm not sure they are delivered because, according to the TES, as I mentioned earlier, the Times Educational Supplement, eight percent of children have actually started the tutoring. Uh, not to talk about the fact that quite a significant significant number of students who have started are not turning up. Yeah. Just, can you say a few a few words about that in terms of one hand, the government seems to be doing the right thing. Okay, you may not approve of Randstad in terms of not the best people, but the, the government is intending, wants to make a difference, wants to bring people back from the from the, the shortfalls of the pandemic, the education lost out. Do you think? The, the, do you think that the pupils want to be brought back? Is there a the desire? Because yeah. you say some of them are not turning up, you know. <laughs> and and then, this is free education. This is you know, but they're not taking it up. There's ninety percent are not bothering. So what's going wrong here? Well, I think I think two things. Uh, first of all, let's just uh, give credit to people. There are people out there, families who are actually who want it, who value education quite a lot, and they will you know, give up their right arm to, to get it. Um, sadly, if we have to be blunt, there are also families in which education appears or is perceived as being a bother. So can I interrupt you? When you say, that's that, are you saying that 90% of the, the, the children are, have parents who can't be bothered? Well, <laughs> I cannot completely say that. I wouldn't. I wouldn't think the figure is that um, great. Uh, first of all, to be honest, the the head teachers are very reluctant. They are very reluctant to take up the offer with Randstad to actually use their tutor to provide it. So I'm not sure the, that that's a different matter. The fact is that only ten percent of the students have been uh, have been registered. We don't know. If it's because uh, I think it is largely because the head teachers of schools are not willing to do it. What we'd be interested is to know is the ninety percent or ninety-two percent who are not. Um, they are some of them are on the other program, which is tutor-led, uh, mm-hmm. well, school-led tutoring. I beg your pardon, which has been organised by schools. It'd be interesting to know what is the percentage because if we Say ninety to ninety-two percent actually not doing anything. That is extremely alarming. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. Look, it is. This is a, this is bigger than I thought. This topic because it's not just Randstad issue. This kind of a systemic issue. So look, I'd like to have it back on the back on five. Now I do this as another time, but for now we're gonna have to leave this this issue <laughs> and uh, come back to it. But I thank you. I'm definitely have you back on the show to talk about this another time. In the eye. For story number three this week, um, we're going back to uh, Michael's home city of Liverpool because you may have, and we're going back to Boris Johnson, I'm afraid, because you may have seen bumbling Boris wandering the streets of Liverpool on a police. I mean, I couldn't believe they found a uniform that big, Michael, for him because <laughs> he looked ginormous and he had a big police bobble hat on. Um, he loves dressing up. I, 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 Boris I'm, loves dressing I, I, up, doesn't he? I'm Phil, he was wearing a mask. 
<laughs> you know how he lo- he loves nothing better than a hard hat and a high vis jacket, maybe a lab coat and some goggles. You know, just, I was reminded of, of um, Thatcher in that tank in Germany with the white, with the white, subtly understated in white in this tank. This is the same kind of Johnson nonsense. But there was there was this policy push, wasn't there, to say, look. Middle class people, um, they they uh, get on with this kind of recreational drug use. They're taking cocaine at posh dinner parties or whatever. This is the accusation, and they they don't see the misery that the drugs cause down the line um, with in in other communities. And then the argument from the government was maybe we should start penalizing these middle-class drug users in ways that would matter to them. Like for instance, you know, taking away their driving license or their passport or that, that, that kind of thing. What, what, what did you make of that, Michael? Deep breath. I thought this was good news. This is a good story, but the trouble is it just got, it's Johnson and all the nonsense that comes with Johnson, the publicity and, and the kind of the self-aggrandizement and the, Hail fellow or met, and it kind of it just pollutes the story, corrupts it. So I think the the, the the principle is sound, because these these affluent drug users in the in the, in the counties don't realise the, the 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 dreadful dreadful violence that that goes behind delivering of that drug, and the people that suffer in order for them to have to have that cocaine hit. So he's, he's, he's right to do it because it, it's something that's affecting us, affecting us all in many ways. Because the the the, the, um, the drug industry has many many consequences for us all, not just for the drug takers, but but for for, for us in terms of petty crime, of petty crime and big crime, crime at all levels, driven by driven by the the the, um, the drug campaign. So this is, I think, this is good that we're exposed. We're showing. We fold the money, and, and with exposing who 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 is causing the issues here is these um, affluent um, drug takers. But there, there is always the argument, isn't there, which is advanced by academics, um, liberals, some people in in in, um, in the even in the police force that says actually uh, you're fighting a losing battle. Um, that if you decriminalised the drugs and uh, provided sort of safe environments for people to obtain, take them in. What you'd actually do is you'd, you'd get rid of all the uh, potential for huge gains from all these uh, drug cartels and gangs and so on. What do you, where do you stand on that, Michael? Well, if, you, if you, if you, if you, if you, if you relax the law that things would be safer, better, there'd be less crime. I'm against d- drugs is a fabricated industry by the, uh, by, by the authorities. We, 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 alcohol, tobacco, we don't ban them. They're, 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 they're even worse in terms of the, the, the misery and heartache that they cause in terms of for our health and the, uh, the, the dreadful stories of, of alcoholism. Yet we, 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 we demonize drugs. We create a business. We create an industry. So no, I'm, I'm for freeing it all. In fact, let me be brutally, let's tax it. Let's make some money out of it. Well, then that, but yeah, but if we went down that route, we wouldn't be taking away people's passports, would we? Because no, we'd, be, we'd, be, we'd, be say, we'd be saying, we'd be saying, we'd be saying, oh well, it's fine, it's fine. 
Uh, just yeah, yeah, just yeah. go and buy it from the state-approved. Um... In the same way, you can buy a bottle of whiskey. What, what, what about buy a hit of cocaine or, 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 or buy a buy a joint? I see not you know nothing wrong with that. And don't because... you see? But wouldn't you see a difference between a joint and, and a hit of cocaine? I I I I, I no think... no. In the sense that we've demonized cocaine. We can we, in terms of we, you know you know, we, you know we glibly we talk about opium. Religion is the opium of the masses. We drugs desensitize people. We're at the bottom of society. They found an easy way to survive society, becoming a drug taker. It'd be a way of getting people back into society, opening it up and getting and, and getting rid of, of the violence and the money that's involved in, in drug dealing. You know, and, and, and taxing it on a proper a proper basis. So no, for you know, I, I would argue the drug industry is being created by um, by the the government. In order, to, in, in, in order, in order to demonize those users, when when those users need help, rather than demonization, you know. So no, I'm sorry. So we should liberalize drugs and let, let, let's follow the money. Let, let, let's get with these cocaine dealers, these these heroin dealers. Let, let's get them sorted. Let's get them on, on a regular footing. So no, for you know, and I'm not talking about being liberal. I'm just talking about creating a society where everybody has a chance. Rather than some people get consumed by the drug in the, the, the my drugs and find no way back into society, you know, being be, be imprisoned for carrying a for, for possessing a few a few grams of of uh, heroin. Come on, you know, you don't, you don't get imprisoned for carrying a, a, a truckload of wine or or whiskey or whatever. Please understand, I was seeing little difference. Five in the eye. The story number four is very different. It's one close to my heart. It's a grandma, a grandma, and she went round England, she went on the coast of England, on her bus pass, on her freedom pass. And as a freedom pass holder, this is on my bucket list, this film. <laughs> the idea is to go around the country. You've got to plan it, you plan it, but free of charge. You can travel around the country on a bus. On a bus, you know, put the pandemic aside and having to wear a mask. That, that, that does change a little bit. But the idea of bus travels a little bit slower, going I say, a little bit more friendlier. Than yeah, other forms she, of and this, this is Penny, Penny Ibert, um, who, who went on a what has turned out to be a 2,200-mile trip. She's 75, Michael, so if she can do it, even you could, even you could do it, I think. And it took is, that, a six- is that a compliment or an insult, Phil? I don't, I don't know. I, I just, I just- it, it, it took her six weeks. She made a point of saying that she'd gone anti-clockwise. I don't. Is that significant? Do you think? Do you think it matters whether you go clockwise or anti-clockwise? Well, it, it's also the toilets. When you flush the toilets, is the to- <laughs> does it go clockwise? To be honest with you, Phil, it depends whether you're left-footed or right-footed. Which you leave, when you leave the house, which foot you go first? That is that that that's, it measures your your axis of rotation. So what am I trying to say? It depends on whether, what. We, we, I'd like to look at is she left-handed or right-handed in terms of um, to understand her direction. Sorry, well, I, I, I was but, I was also interested in her quote in the mirror where she said when she was describing her bus travel, 
she said, often it was like an administrative exercise because when I was on the bus, I was always busy doing something. I'd be booking my next hotel, yeah, exactly. answering yeah. emails, contacting <laughs> local press. I'm thinking, she's yeah, running no, like a one woman. She's uh, a celebrity. On the bus. I mean, did she ever think of looking out the window at the views or anything like that, do you think? Oh, to de- be a detail. Be a detail. It's about the journey. It's about the journey. And I guess with, with the internet now, you know, the internet is, is, is the journey itself. It's all part of the fun. So, you know, you know, respect and a bit of awe that she did it. And now, you know, I'd love to see her, I'd love to see a timetable. Maybe I could, maybe I could copy it in terms of doing it. And, and uh, I could be five in the eye on the road on a bus. Would, would you be into that, Phil? Would you be listening to me? Yeah, five, yeah. five, five in the eye on the road. Yeah, I mean, I mean that, that, that's an interesting concept. From a bus, from a bus near you right now. You know, I was, I was in Liverpool the other week. And it was just bleeping on the bus. People were so nice, Phil. You know, when they got off the bus, we, we got into town, town as the centre of town, and about half the bus emptied. And everybody who got off the bus thanked the bus driver. Wow. <laughs> it took about half Thank an you, hour. Thank you, driver. Yeah. Exactly. I'd, I'd forgotten that, because I do that automatically, but you know when you see it in such volume, yeah, I think we discussed this before in London. It's you know you do see it, but it's a bit less common, isn't it? Yeah, yeah they probably start shouting at you. Keep moving, get on, get off the bus. Come on, get out the way, you know. But Liverpool, they had time, and they kind of and there was another Liverpool scene, and, and this is beautiful. But an old lady got on the bus. She was an old lady. She had a, she had a, she was pushing a, a she had a, 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 a trolley bag, which she was using as a kind of simmer frame, and she she said to the bus driver. Can you let me sit down before you get moving? And the bus driver, well, well first, immediately somebody got up and let her sit down. Mm. Boom, boom. When she was sit down, guess what happened? The bus driver took off. I thought that was just, come on. I was just a lovely bit. I'm sure that, I'm sure that happens in, in, yeah. in uh, London. You know? Yeah, in, Lon- in London, Granny would have been on the floor, wouldn't she? As the, as the, uh, <laughs> as the guy sped up. No, 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 no. Let me tell you, I, I've got deep respect for our bus drivers because there's some some brilliant women bus drivers. I just love the women. They, they, they're just so calm in control. I guess the blokes are okay, but I feel much more comfortable when I see a, a, a woman driving the bus. Because I know we're going to get this. Gonna this, this could be a controversial point. Yeah, uh, so yeah. If if you have a strong opinion on, on whether male or female bus drivers provide a superior service, contact us on our Facebook. Well, page. No, okay. You, you, I'm, I'm going to say up front. Give me a woman bus driver any day. Five in the eye. Our final story this week uh, involves COVID, Italy, and a guy. Uh, a dentist, no less, who decided that he was going to avoid vaccination by presenting at the vaccination clinic with a fake arm into which the nurse was going to inject him. Now, the oh nurse God. wasn't the nurse wasn't quite so stupid as to fall for this. She rumbled what the guy was doing, called the police, and he got into trouble. He's apparently since had his vaccination um the reason he why, why would he fake it because in italy they're asking for the kind of proof the covid pass vaccine pass kind of thing so he he wanted the freedom of the vaccine pass but he didn't seem to want the vaccine now this was seems like extraordinary lengths to go to i mean how stupid do you have to be to think that a fake arm is going to fool someone who's giving an injection michael you know when you showed me this story Phil, i thought you were taking the um proverbial 
because it seems it seems daft that you you'd want to present. And he's a dentist, you know, not not a man without any brain, and not a man who knows what an arm looks like and what an arm doesn't look like. Yeah. I'm tempted to say, where did he put the other arm? His real arm. <laughs> it just seems daft. Daft that he wants to do that. But I guess it's, it's the, I was going to say the lens some people will go, this is not the lens. This is the stupidity that but he, some people will go to. He's subsequently that he was really making a protest, that he didn't really intend. But, I mean, as I read the story originally, the way the conversation went was he shows his arm. The nurse says, hold on a second, mate. I'm not stupid. That's it. And then he he was saying, "Excuse me, sir." He was then like, you know, well, just between us, you know, go on, go on. (laughs) I mean, yeah. What is he thinking? That's not a protest. That's someone. That is surely someone who is desperately trying to pretend to get the vaccine in order to get a certificate on his phone. I'm tempted to say, are there some mental issues at play here? If he tries to tries to encourage the nurse to say, "Go on, just pop it in there," you know. It just seems daft. But this whole, you know, vaccination thing is just extraordinary. The, the, oh, I don't want to get into the anti-vax argument, but the facts are so, you know, that, that headline, and we've, discuss, we've discussed it almost every week now. 100% of the people on the intensive care units in Germany last week weren't vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then people come back to me and say, well, 20% of vaccination don't work. You know, your your choice, Phil. Your well, choice. You know, at the end of the day, vaccines are what we have to defend us. They're not perfect. Exactly. But I, had, I had my booster last weekend. I felt, I, I have to say, I felt lousy for the third time. Having had a COVID jab, I felt lousy. But it was in a good cause, Michael. And no, I, no, I'm, no, bring it on. Bring, I, 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 Phil, I had a, God, this sounds quite, I had a stiff arm. <clears throat> After my jab, I did. It was a, it was a real arm, was it? <laughs> well, I'm just checking. Yeah, it's my own arm, real flesh. But it was, it was, it was there. So no, um, I have to say, presenting falseness, a false arm, is not. It, 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 nah, nah, it, nah, it, it, it does. It doesn't seem plausible. If you want, if you really want to, if you don't want to, if you want a vaccine, maybe it's a. You, I was going to say you can force a certificate. No, I don't know. I don't know. You couldn't. There's going to be other ways of getting down the system other than just being so blatant and trying to trying to get the nurse or the 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 the, uh, the, the, vaccine, the vaccinator. Is that, the, is that the right word? The vaccinator. Plausible word. The vaccinist. <laughs> the vaccinist. The vaccinator. Could love that. The terminator. Like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Isn't <laughs> the it? vaccinator. There's probably a technical word out there for people who who, 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 who jab needles in into people, but I, I, I don't know it now. So now, I'm sorry, you know, uh-uh, move on, nothing going on here. Can I just make one small point on vaccinations? As someone who lives in mortal fear of, of, of injections, I've been really impressed with, my, with all three of my jabs. In fact, no, I've had six jabs. I've had a flu jab and um, a pneumonia jab. So I've had six jabs in the last year or so. And the, I didn't feel any of them. The needles now seem so thin. Because mm. back in the day, they were about four inches thick. And they drilled them into it. There'd be bits of flesh coming out all over the place. But now these, these 
ultra thin, you know, these nanometer. They don't, they don't even need to put a plaster on you anymore, do they? It's just like you. Exactly, just ding you with a bit of a bit of um, antiseptic fluid, and you're off. Yeah. So now I've been really impressed by you know the the, the technology at play there, because as I yeah. say, back in the day, I lived in fear. My my arm was frozen. And a a big thank you to everyone who's doing the vaccine program, because I know there's volunteers involved in it as well. And at the surgery I went to last weekend, they saw 800 people in a day and uh, it was very efficient. So uh, credit to to all of them. No, I loved the efficiency of it. It was was good. So as you say, I I support your accolade there. I've got mine. Five in the eye. Well, that's it for episode 0335. We can promise that your presenters have been properly vaccinated and boosted, so you're always safe listening to the show. Thanks so much to Idris for joining us earlier to talk about the tuition, that tuition story. And if you want to know what we're considering for discussion on next week's show, do visit our Facebook page during the coming week, where we post up stories that might be of interest. For now, this is me, Michael Hujuru, saying... If you have been, that's interesting. And this is Phil Woodford reminding you to keep an eye on the news, as you never know what we'll be discussing on next week's Five in the Eye. Goodbye. Five in the Eye with Michael and Phil. It's news, but is it new?